Downtown Productions in cooperation with Zone Radio presents Downtown, the podcast. From the historic Zone Radio studios, here's your host, Rich Kimball. Hey, welcome. It is indeed Downtown, the podcast, episode number 285. We're brought to you every week by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. Coming up this week on the podcast, a couple of conversations with talented folks. A little bit later on, artist Christopher Radko returns to uh, talk with us about uh, his brand new line of holiday ornaments for the brand new season. Always fun to talk with Christopher. That's coming up a little bit later. But we get it underway by welcoming in a multi-talented actor, screenwriter, and producer. He's appeared in films like the Academy Award-winning Green Book, and his brand new film, uh, again, he is a co-writer, producer, and the star. The movie is called A Place in the Field, streaming everywhere right now. We had a chance to talk about the movie with Don DePetta. Well, Don, I didn't know what to expect. I watched the trailer for the movie. It certainly uh, piqued my interest, but I, I was not prepared for the power and the beauty of this movie. Uh, this is It's really a remarkable motion picture. Oh, wow. Thank you uh, so much for watching it, for saying that. And, uh, well, right from the title, A Place in the Field has a whole lot of different meanings in this story. Yes, it does. Uh, I, I I love a good title with, with some uh, multiple meanings. So it, it does. For, uh, a lot of meaning and, and symbolism throughout this whole movie. Well, you play uh, the character of Geo, a, a veteran who, uh, well, safe to say is a man dealing with a lot of pain and, and trying to figure out how he fits into the world he's returned to. Yeah, I think that's really fair to say. I think uh, although we use the, the vehicle of veterans, I think uh, men and women searching for purpose or meaning in a world today is, uh, I think that's kind of a universal thing that we wanted to tackle. And people struggle with uh, PTSD, people struggle with trauma. And so, you know, it, this is told through the, the lens of, a veteran, but uh, I think it has a lot of universal themes that we were excited to kind of talk about. And uh, Geo goes on a road trip, and it, and it becomes a road picture in many ways, and, and to such a, a beautiful part of this country, but along the way, uh, the realization of uh, Geo trying to keep that promise that he made to a dear friend. Yes, this is, a, this is a road trip story. I love road trip films. I think they're the best, I think they're the best vehicle for, for storytelling, no pun intended. Um, and there was a lot of influence from Easy Rider in this film, which is one of my favorite films. And, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a story about a guy who gets his buddy's ashes and he's going to fulfill this last wish of his friend. They're going to drive across the American Southwest and uh, he's going to lay his friend to rest. And uh, so many powerful moments in the movie. Uh, I, I love the line. And, and to me, it, it sums up so much of the story. Bad people don't struggle with the past. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I, when that line came out uh, on my fingertips and I was typing on the computer, I was like, oh, I think that's something. Um, and it's resonated with a lot of people. And, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it makes sense to me. I feel like uh, Gio's, Gio feels like he's this, this bad guy because he made choices in his life. He made decisions in his life that ultimately aren't, aren't his to bear. And, uh, you know, his friend, I think, kind of eases him a little bit when he says, you know, you're not a bad guy. So uh, you not only play Geo in the film, but you uh, co-wrote, you produced the movie as well. How did the story come to you? 
Well, this was a this was a grassroots kind of independent film with me and a group of friends. Um, Lionsgate is the distributor, and the, you know we, we are beside ourselves that a major studio uh, found the film and decided to distribute it for us and really champion it. Uh, but it came out of a, a, a bunch of guys uh, with a camera uh, driving around Central California trying to figure out what they wanted to do, and uh, the pandemic hit, and we all sat down and wrote like madmen and. It wasn't uh, wasn't very difficult, but we started writing in March, and we were shooting in July of 2020, which is uh, very fast. We're talking with Don DePetta. His new film is A Place in the Field. Uh, it's streaming now from Lionsgate Films. And, and that trip and that part of the Southwest, my God, it's, it's such beautiful country and some remarkable scenes. First of all, the cast everybody uh, to a person is so good in this and so believable that, uh, you know, I, I forget I'm watching actors. Uh, when you, when you arrive, uh, you get, uh, you get picked up uh, while you're, you're hitchhiking. And I, I'm thinking these are real people. These are not actors. I think, I think um, one of the good, good things I'll say about this film is there's a lot of up and coming talent in this film. So people aren't very familiar with a lot of the faces. I think that lends itself to uh, its believability. You feel like you're just watching people along a road trip. Uh, there are some, I, I'm not going to lie, we met some interesting characters uh, <laughs> along the way, and if we could, we'd put them in the film. There's a guy that is playing guitar in one of the scenes, and funny enough, our car broke down, so our, our picture car broke down, and we got towed to a mechanic shop, and that guy lived across the street from a mechanic shop and would sit out in his driveway and play guitar and blast it out at nobody all day long and so when we found you know we found these rich characters i mean that's just it, it just felt like americana and we were like oh we got to put that in the movie well and i think my favorite scene in the whole film is uh well the scene involving uh, some horse therapy and and my goodness from from the horse trainer who was absolutely brilliant but that horse uh, that i was i was so moved by the soulfulness of that horse we wanted to show a lot of different options that there are for uh veteran therapy and PTSD therapy and uh, equine therapy is one of these things that is out there now. And I think uh, it's accessible and I think it's really helpful. Um, Yost is the trainer. That scene, um, <laughs> that was real. Uh, he, you know, he was not an actor. That was a real man, mm. a real conversation. It was a real therapy session because, you know, before he goes, hey, I'm not an actor. I don't know how to act. I'm not going to memorize any lines. He goes, but if you want to do a therapy session, you guys can film the therapy session. And so out of that uh, came that scene. It's, uh, it's been pretty powerful. And the, the, re the response or the reaction to that scene has been, it's been, it's been wonderful. Well, and this, this whole story is, is so powerful and so poignant. And, and again, yeah, it's about veterans, but it's about anybody who's trying to, uh, to deal uh, with with the past and and put pain in its proper perspective and accept themselves and then to find out that it was uh, directed by a woman uh, kudos to Nikki is it Mejia oh, what a wonderful job oh my god it's brilliant direction she is oh well uh, thank you I'm going to tell you, you said that she is a, a powerhouse and she is an up and coming director here in Hollywood I think she's going to be a household name uh, very soon she's already got her next few few movies lined up uh, from this one but uh, she's had some experience in her life and I think I think one of the wonderful things about a place in the field and what makes it stand out is this is a, this is a very male dominated subject of veterans and PTSD but this is told through the voice and the lens of women our, our directors a female 
cinematographer, production designer, producers, top to bottom. There are women all over this film, and I think it I think it really helps and lends itself to the story we were trying to tell. Kind of say too, the music is great. It ties everything together so perfectly. Alana Meal, our composer, we would uh, Nicole and myself would sit with him in his studio. Uh, Nicole would direct him, and he would organically come up with these pieces, and uh, we would. We, this was a top to bottom, just a, a really collaborative, really creative process for making a movie. I'm not sure it's it's a very common one. Like I said, we made this outside of the studio system, um, and it was just a group of passionate people who did, we didn't know that this was going to land anywhere. We didn't know that uh, people were going to be able to see it all over the country. We're so happy that they are. That was always the goal, but uh, it was kind of like. You know, we're just going to do our best that we can creatively for us. And if, if people are able to see it, that's, uh, that's amazing. And I know you did a limited theatrical release uh, uh, tied into Veterans Day, but now uh, it's out there for streaming. And, and oh, that's that's got to be so great, uh, as you said, to have that opportunity for so many people to see this film and, and let it spread through word of mouth. It's been pretty it's been pretty surreal. Yes, word of mouth is a great, uh, you know, uh, it's been word of mouth and it's been a lot of like, different radio promotions and just anything we can do. There's not a lot of money behind the movie. Um, there's not a lot of money in the movie, but we think it has a great message and it's a great story. And so we'd love the word of mouth and we'd love people to share it and talk about it, tell their friends uh, and rent the movie. It's available on Apple TV, Amazon Prime, Google Play, YouTube, on demand with your cable service provider. Pretty much anywhere anybody can rent or buy a film, you can check out A Place in the Field. There's also a fair amount of humor in the film, and um, some of my favorite scenes are uh, Gio and his friend in a little friendly competition, and I was well, I was admiring your baseball swing, and then I did a little research, and uh, well, you played some minor league ball. What, uh, the St. Saint Paul Saints? I did. I did myself, and then my, my co-star, Corey Ellis, is terrific in the film. He was a semi-professional golfer, so we both had a little bit of a background, and we wanted to come up with a game. It's based on a, a baseball game that a lot of pitchers play called Fungo Golf, where they uh, <laughs> they walk around the field and, and hit baseballs at different targets. And so we just wanted to do something playful and creative that, you know, that was close to both of us and that we thought, hey, maybe these guys did this while they were hanging around base or whenever they had their free time, they would go do this together. So, yeah, different life, play baseball, and now we're, uh, now we're out in Los Angeles trying to uh, make films. Well, as a former high school baseball coach, I was impressed with your skills. Oh, I appreciate <laughs> that. Thank you very much. It was a lot. You've been a busy guy. Uh, you were in the Oscar winner Green Book. You also did a terrific movie uh, with a friend of our show, A Special Unit, with Christopher Titus. <laughs> oh, yeah. Titus is the man. Uh, what a good dude. Uh, I really love him. And Green Book was an incredible experience. Just to be on set. Um with Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali. Those guys are just, you know, those guys are Oscar. That's Oscar talent right there. And so to be able to learn from them and watch those guys work together, it was a, it was a master class on acting. And you're doing some stand-up comedy as well. I am doing a bit of everything until we can pay the rent. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, I grew up in a comedy club in Atlanta. My pops owned a comedy club. And so it's, it's always been close to my heart. And, uh, I love being able to travel the country, make people laugh, and meet people. That's uh, it's it's a fun job. The film is called "The Place in the Field." It is streaming everywhere. Uh, it really is a remarkable film, Donna. Uh, congratulations to you and everybody involved in this. I loved it. Uh, I'm going to make plans to watch it with some friends so they get a chance to see it too. And I I sure hope it reaches a a lot of people because it needs to. It's a wonderful oh. story. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Don DePetta talking about his new film, A Place in the Field, here on Downtown. When we return, artist Christopher Radko, next on Downtown. Since its founding in 1954, Cross Insurance has grown from a small family-owned agency that started in Bangor, Maine, into one of the largest super regional insurance agencies in New England. With the network of offices throughout New England, Cross Insurance works with top carriers to provide maximum value to you, your family, and your business. We are proud to be the official insurance broker of the New England Patriots and would welcome the chance to provide security for your team. For more information, visit CrossInsurance.com. Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. Back on Downtown, the podcast, our next guest, a very talented artist who is made holidays better for several years with his beautiful and original line of Christmas ornaments. Christopher Radko back with brand new ones for the 2023 season. We had a chance to talk about it with him here on Downtown. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas wherever we are right now. Yes, indeed. Well, and what helps it look and feel a lot like Christmas are those beautiful ornaments of yours and, and another remarkably wonderful line this year can we can we start out tell us a little bit about uh, the idea that uh, came to you for the santas from around the world because they are so cool well um you know i i uh, i have a brand new company it's called heartfully yours because i i sold my previous one and had a 10-year non-compete and thank goodness that's over now i'm back in town with a boutique company called heartfully yours and there are about 200 different designs and they're all made from in Europe. They're all made in countries like Germany and Italy and the Czech Republic and Poland. And um, yeah, I, I create all these great new designs. So I have Santas, I have snowmen. And you know, every country has its own way of celebrating Santas and snowmen. In France, it's Père Noël or Father Christmas in England or the Weihnachtsmann in uh, Germany. So I try to do different style Santas. This year, I even had a a Santa in a pink coat, sort of the, the Barbie look to celebrate Barbie this year. And uh, looking uh, online at some of the ornaments, too, uh, boy, they just bring back so many great memories. Uh, there's a whole line that really evokes the ornaments that, that we grew up with. Yeah, definitely. Um, my, my, my new collection, Heartfully Yours, is very uh, reminiscent of the ornaments that we all had as children or that our grandparents or great-grandparents had. These are all made in Europe, as I said, and in most cases, these are the great-grandchildren of the original glass blowers who are still making them today. You know, it takes a human breath to breathe life into every one of these glass creations, and then it takes seven days to paint just one of these ornaments. I even, I even have an eyelash lady, and all she does is paint eyelashes on all the Santas and snowmen. That degree of detail is a hallmark of, of, of my new collection, Heartfully Yours. Now, do any of these classics uh, go back to, uh, well, what we refer to as the crash that started all of this? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, that's really how I got started making Christmas ornaments. Close to 40 years ago, I was still kind of a kid, and I bought a new stand for our 12-foot Christmas tree, and unfortunately, one of the legs buckled under the weight of the tree, and the entire tree fell over, and sending with it to the floor, crashing all these beautiful old vintage ornaments from my grandmother's day. And she was still living at the time. She came into the living room and she said, Christopher, what have you done? You've ruined Christmas forever now. 
So a little bit of guilt goes a very long way. I got to <laughs> say, I, I started looking for replacement ornaments. And, you know, back in the early 80s, you couldn't find any glass ornaments. Everything was plastic or styrofoam, you know. And so that's why I went to Europe looking for the original glass blowers. And, well, here I am, you know, almost 40 years later, still making ornaments, but now with my boutique company, Heartfully Yours. And what's wonderful about these ornaments is the fact that, as you, you mentioned, they're all done by hand, uh, the glass blowing, the painting, every step in the process. It makes each one of these ornaments a, a unique item. Isn't that great? And it's so true. And then all the, uh, you know, the layers of paint and glitter that go into it, um, and they're fully painted on the back as beautifully as on the front. And, you know, they become memory makers. Uh, people will be cherishing these ornaments for decades to come and be passing them on to their children and grandchildren. And these ornaments will hold the memories and the stories of all the Christmases that they were in those families' homes. So they're, they're heirlooms. They're very special to have. We're talking with Christopher Radko here on Downtown. I was thinking about, about that very thing that, uh, you know, you read about uh, of the younger generations today and a lot of things we grew up with. They don't really want any more of the big, heavy furniture. They don't care about the china and the silver service. But these beautiful ornaments, these are the kind of heirlooms that they'll cherish and that they're going to, as you said, pass along to their kids and their grandkids and beyond. That's true. I mean, that's one of the things about Christmas. There's always that wonderful longing for, for hearth and home and tradition. And I think the Christmas tree ends up being the this focal point of holiday decorating and everyone spends time around the Christmas tree, you know, playing music, whatever, and enjoying snacks or hot chocolate and just watching the beautiful Christmas tree with all the lights. And I'm glad to have a part of that. I, I'm, I'm glad that I'm doing what I do. It's kind of a mission for me. You know, I actually program my ornaments when I, when my warehouse is quiet in the evening, I go and I walk through all the halls and I talk to all the ornaments and I tell them, now listen guys, your job is to bring joy and warm-hearted memories and smiles to all the families that you'll end up in. And they say, aye, aye, sir, that's what we're going to do now. <laughs> and then they go off like these little emissaries of Christmas joy all over the country. That's pretty exciting. I love doing that. Well, it's got to be heartwarming for you to do this and, and to be back doing it with your own line here with Heart for Lior is uh, to have that opportunity once again to bring that joy to people. It is. It is. And, you know, uh, celebrities as well as, you know, us regular folks. I mean, like Hugh Jackman is a huge collector, Robert De Niro, Elton John, Bruce Springsteen, Schwarzenegger. I mean, there are just so many. And even the younger generation, Kylie Jenner is a huge collector. Um, and so uh, it's all the generations love my ornaments. They love Christmas. They recognize the quality that goes into just one of these pieces, all the intricate colors and detail and glitter on the front and back of the ornament, and and the the fact that they're made in Europe, you know where this tradition began for making Christmas ornaments. So that's that's all pretty amazing. How do they begin the process, Christopher? Does it start with the artist and, and the illustration? Yes, I mean I, I spend about six weeks each year um, in Germany and Poland and Italy and the Czech Republic. So I work directly with the glass blowers and painters. Um, but each ornament takes physically seven days to make. On the first day, they blow the clear glass ornament out of a tube of hollow glass. And that has to cure overnight. Then on the second day, they pour liquid sterling silver on the inside of the ornament and wash that around. And that makes the ornament shiny and reflective. It's like the silver on the back of a, a bathroom mirror, that kind of a silver. Mm -hmm. 
And then on the third day, they do an initial coat of lacquer on the outside, matte white lacquer to create a, a kind of an artist canvas, if you will. And then after that dries on the fourth and fifth and sixth days, they do they go from the general areas like the red jacket on Santa or the, the red pants. And then the next day they'll go on to the buttons or the fur coat or, or the whiskers on his face. And then, of course, that eyelash lady, she comes out at the end. <laughs> And she does all the little eyelashes and the blush on the angel's cheek. So it's a it's a painstaking process. And again, the, the the idea that this gets to still be made in Europe by the families that created these 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 crafts, you know, 150 years ago is, you know, in 2023, it's unheard of. Well, and we want these to last forever. And the way to do that, too, is the proper care and storage. And uh, it's important that people, uh, when they buy these ornaments, understand the right way to care from them. You don't want to you don't want to wash them or anything like that. There are some specific ways to make sure these last for generations. Oh, absolutely. Sure. I um, well, they're made out of Pyrex glass. So, yes, they are glass, um, but they're about the weight of an electric light bulb. And so if you can handle a light bulb in your hands, you can handle one of these. And then after, uh, it's a good idea to dust them off with a feather mm -hmm. duster before you store them. And then just wrap them in um, either bubble wrap or acid-free, uh, uh, you know, bounty or, you know, some kind of a paper towel that's acid-free or acid-free tissue paper. And then just wrap each one individually. And I store them in big plastic bins, you know, the kind that you can get at the, uh, at the box store, just big plastic bins. And I keep them in a cool, dry place. So don't put them in a super hot attic. Don't put them in a wet basement. Right. You know, just keep them in a cool, dry place and they'll be fine and they'll last for 100 years. When we're all living on Mars, 100 years, <laughs> they'll be enjoying heartfully years ornaments, you know, and decorating their Martian trees. And they'll say, oh, yeah, my great-great-grandmother bought this, you know, in Maine, in a little store, you know, in Portland, Maine. Oh, on Earth? She got that on Earth? <laughs> yes, yes. And, and the, the traditions will continue out into space. Well, I, I hope uh, well, if I go, if I go on that journey, I'm bringing my ornaments with me. That's high on my list. I'm not leaving those behind. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, that's, that's the, the family heirlooms right there and at Christmas time. So, so you can be sure, though. You know, I mean, I don't know about life in outer space, but uh, I'll tell you that my ornaments were used for a Christmas episode of Deep Space Nine. Oh, that's you wonderful. Know, yeah, the Star Trek, you know, uh, one of the Star Trek shows, Deep Space Nine. The Christmas episode had one of the, uh, I guess you call them astronauts, whatever they are, the spacemen. They had their ornaments that they received from their family on Earth. And, you know, they were out in Deep Space Nine. And so they could celebrate Christmas there with my ornaments. That was fun. Why do you think people are, are willing and want to spend a little bit of extra money here to get something that will last? Uh, when so much of our world these days is disposable, why is it that these ornaments, people say, no, 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 I, I want to I go the extra mile because I want to keep these around as an heirloom? Absolutely. I think that they recognize the value. Yeah, they're not, you know, cheap. They're not available in Walmart or Kmart, um, but... Uh, they are made with such detail. They're made in Europe. They're not made by machines or computers. They're not decals. Everything is totally, totally handcrafted and hand-painted and made in Europe. I mean, that's just, you know, the workmanship, the quality, the colors, the detail are, are, are the hallmarks of, of, of my collection. And I think people recognize that. And they respect the fact that, you know, things from Europe are not, you know, dirt cheap i mean because you know everything they, they, their cost of living is the same as ours if not higher um in europe 
And so, uh, but people appreciate the the history behind it and the fact that it's the same families. Um, and as long as they're making them, great. But if you know, if the if the kids or grandkids no longer want to make them, then it'll really be the end of a of a of a whole generation of ornaments. So, I, I guess now's the time to enjoy them and collect them while while I'm still making them and while. These European families are still interested in making them. I, I feel like any creative person, any artist, always maintains that that sense of wonder. I think that's what allows you to keep creating as you go on. When you when you see the finished product, do you go back to being that kid all those years ago and getting that magic back in your heart? That is such a great question, and you, that's it. That's me all around. I'm really just a big kid. Everyone says that. I love Christmas. I celebrate Christmas in my heart all year long. I think we get... For me, like the message of Christmas is not just what you do on Christmas Day, but the you know, but the Christmas things you do all year long. So, so I, I you know, in your in, in in your acts of kindness, in in being compassionate to people, and listening to people, and helping them in any way you can, those are Christmassy things that we do to remember that we're all connected and we really are one huge human family on this you know tiny little planet in the cosmos. So for me, it's about finding ways to live that Christmas spirit all year long. That makes me happy. It makes the kid in me happy. And the kid in me loves de de uh, designing new ornaments. I, if, if all I had to do is design ornaments, I'd be done in one month each year, and then I'd spend 11 months in Bermuda just, you know, <laughs> on the beach. But, you know, having an import, you know, company, there's a lot of work. I have to travel. I have to, to um, you know, deal with the, the UPS and the containers and the shipping and all that. So there's a lot of, you know, business side to it that people don't see. They just see the beautiful ornaments. But still, it's all worth it. I love doing what I do. Yesterday, for instance, I was volunteering in a food pantry and I did giveaways and people were so excited. And I got to see all the kids and the grandparents. Santa was there. And it was just it was just it just makes you feel good to share that Christmas magic with people. And I get to do it with ornaments. That's why you're the czar of the Christmas present, Christopher. <laughs> Wonderful to talk with you again. Uh, the new line is beautiful. Uh, I hope people check it out and, and get these uh, one-of-a-kind, unique heirlooms for their family for generations to come. I hope you and your family have a wonderful holiday as well. We sure will. And if anyone wants to see the collection or see videos of how the ornaments are made, um, just come visit my website. It's heartfullyyours.com. One word, heartfullyyours.com. And lots of great videos and contests. Uh, we have a design your own ornament contest going on. Um, so lots of fun things going on on that, you know, website, heartfullyyours.com. Absolutely. Christopher, thank you so much. As always, be well and I uh, hope we can get together again next Christmas season. I would love that. And Merry Merry to all of your listeners today. Thank you. Christopher Radko with us here on Downtown. Our thanks to Christopher, actor Don DePetta, and of course to you for being with us. Downtown brought to you every week by Cross Insurance, where security meets strength. And Downtown's produced by Carrie, Carrie Haskell. I got it right, Carrie. Carrie Haskell. There we go. <laughs> Join us next time right here on Downtown.